the way they treat you is we've already talked about how they pay you, but you know, I, I usually am backstage in like the VIP lounge area and they're, and they're bringing me like lunch and they're covering all my costs and they're treating me like a rock star. Uh, meaning, you know, they're just treating me with a lot of respect and love and appreciation and gratitude. And so as an artist, you know, I really appreciate that. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm gonna share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're gonna show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, so I'm super excited to be here with Tiamo Devatori, and uh, today we're going to talk about keynote keynote concerts. And yeah, Tiamo is awesome. He uh, has spoken to over 100,000 people at universities, seminars, music conferences all over the world. He has performed on stage at the Jimmy Kimmel Show. He's the number one best-selling author. He's won the LA Music Awards Singer Songwriter of the Year, San Diego's Best Songwriter Award, and I mean, I knew he was—I knew he was an awesome guy when I first started talking with him, and and then you know when I kind of peeled back the curtain too, it's like he's done some really impressive things. So, uh, Tiamo, thanks so much for taking the time to be here today. Yeah, thank you so much for having on. I'm really excited about the juicy conversation we're about to have. Oh yeah. So yeah, today we're going to be talking about keynote keynote concerts, uh, which is basically like a, a connection between presentations like uh, keynotes and inspirational, motivational talks and using your music to actually kind of provide a unique spin on that kind of experience. So I would love to hear a little bit about your story and just you know, how you got into this world of, of doing keynote concerts. Yeah, uh, so I'm going to share my, my very edited version because otherwise my story would take up the, the entire interview. But really, like, the way it happened for me is I was your typical singer-songwriter who was really frustrated with the struggle. Mm -hmm. And I was totally just sick and tired and exhausted of the coffee shop gigs and the bars and the clubs and the hotels, and especially promoting myself all the time, putting all my money into it. And, uh, and so there is this precipice for me where I just felt like I had to create a change. And I knew that to create a change, I, I had to do something different. And so what I ended up doing is I looked at my gig calendar for like the next, all the gigs I had scheduled for months out and I canceled all those gigs. And I decided instead that I was going to create this really big comeback concert. And so I had I gave myself six months to promote it. And I knew that it had to be an epic venue. So I got booked at my dream venue that holds over 500 people. And because I canceled all my other gigs, I just committed to working every day on this one gig that was going to launch me in this, this new way of, of doing things. And, uh, and so that's what I did is I, I promoted this comeback concert every day for six months. Even though, you know, I was really exhausted and tired from all the promotions of the, of the past gigs, I felt like I was going to do these bigger venues and I was just motivated in a different way. And I had some ideas around it, which I'm not going to go into now, but, you know, that really was the, the, the fire and the passion for me. 
and then at one point, like a couple of weeks before that gig, I recruited my top fans in San Diego and they really helped me in marketing the event and promoting it. And so I was like outsourcing all of this to my top 20 fans in San Diego. And so I had this like wonderful support. And, uh, and then leading up to the night of, of the big comeback concert, I'll never forget, like I, I walked out on stage. And this is something I had envisioned for months. Like I was visualizing, given the performance of a lifetime in front of this sold out crowd and, and the moment was there. And I stood in front of the microphone and then I looked out into the audience and there are two people in the audience. And for me, it was like I was holding back tears uh, which was just like years of frustration and exhaustion just like welling up in me. And um, I still perform my set and it's still to this day, one of the best performances I've ever gave because I decided for those two people that I was gonna completely pour my heart into that, into that set. But when I was done, I was just wiped out. And I just, I remember driving away and I was like just completely in tears. And I was even like, you know, I called my mom and I was like yelling at the phone and I was like, I can't do this anymore. And I quit. So that night I decided like I would never feel that way again. And, uh, and I stopped pursuing my music for about a year. Like I didn't even pick up my guitar for an entire year. And then something happened, you know, because I was really interested in some other areas at that time, uh, especially because of how hurt I was with, with music. I was looking into you know, speaking and, uh, and some other things around personal development and entrepreneurship. And so I went to this seminar and I had this intuition that I should bring my guitar with me. So I did. And then I was at this, it was, it was like a business seminar and it was a bit, you know, it was huge. There was like 2000 people there. And so I'm, I'm sitting in the audience of like 2000 people. And then I had this, like this inspiration come to me in the moment. Now, normally what happens is when we get an inspiration, we talk ourselves out of it. Like the fear comes in, we're like, oh, you're gonna look so stupid, or we have fears of rejection, whatever it is, like, don't do it. And so before I could talk myself out of it, I got up from my seat and I went to the back of the room because I knew that all the important people and the decision makers hung out in the back of the room. And my, my inspiration in that moment was that I, I realized that there was no live music going on at this conference. Like they kept playing like all these hits and stuff like that and, and everything. It was just all tracks, but there was no live music. And it was all about inspiration, right? And I was like, if I could get on that stage, I could provide live inspiration through the power of music and message and everything else. And it would totally elevate the energy in this room. So I walked to the back of the room and I was totally terrified. But I was taking action anyway. And I asked someone on the, on the event team um, who I needed to talk to to get on stage. And they told me who the person was. And, uh, and they said, but he's, you know, he's hanging out in the VIP room right now. And I said, great, where's the VIP room? And they pointed it out, not thinking I would actually roll up in there, you know. <laughs> and then I just, like, I walked out of the event room. I'm, like, looking for that looking for the VIP room. I found it. And, and I just walked in there like I was a VIP, you know, and, uh, and I, I introduced myself and I found him. He was basically like the event organizer. And, 
and I talked to him and I asked him, I said, can I perform on your stage today? And then he was like, totally laughed at me like I was crazy. And, and he said something like, you know, do you realize how many speakers want to speak on my stage? You know, and they even, you know, they pay me thousands of dollars to speak on stage. Like why, I don't even know you, you know, like why would I have you on stage? And I said, well, I do something that none of them do. And he said, what's that? And I said, well, I combine storytelling with message and live music because I'm a singer songwriter. And he's like, wow, that's, you know, that's really interesting. What do you got? So I said, if you can hang out here for a minute, I'm going to go grab my guitar and I'll show you. So I go get my guitar and uh, basically I told him a short story and he was really moved by it. And then I sang the song about that story. And he's like, this was amazing. Can you be on stage after lunch? Wow. Yeah. And not only did he give me the opportunity to be on stage after lunch, but he gave me 20 minutes. So lunch was coming up. You know, it was like the lunch break was like an hour away or something like that. I'm just like, you know, I'm getting like mentally ready for this. And, and I'm just like buzzing with excitement. And, uh, and so everyone goes to lunch. And during the lunch break, I'm like doing my sound check and all that stuff. And then, and then people come in from lunch and there I am on stage. And as people were like pouring into the room, this is my first experience ever where I realize I'm in front of this huge, instant, sold out crowd. There's like 2000 people here and I didn't have to do anything to get them here. Like they're already here. Mm -hmm. So like just having that breakthrough on stage was just like life changing for me. I was like, there must be other venues where I could get on stage and there would be thousands of people where I didn't have to do anything to get them there. And I just loved how that felt. And so everyone comes back in the room and I tell my story and I sing my song. And towards the end of the song, like everyone's like up and dancing and singing. And like, you could completely see the transformation in the room. And, uh, and then afterwards, like the whole event team is like, give me high fives and hugs. And the event organizer was like, that was amazing. You know, and all of that. And it's just like, shortly after that, I realized that I could probably do this for a living. Right. And that's where I decided, like, I could, you know, I could really go out and find all these venues. And there's probably hundreds of conferences and seminars and conventions where they do this. And I could be on stage delivering what I now call keynote concerts, where I combine speaking with live music. I also realized that they probably had really great conference budgets. I didn't know how much went into conference budgets, but I know with like these massive hotels and, and how great they make the events, like they, they must put a lot of money into it and they must be able to pay their guest speakers a lot for it. Uh, so then I started pursuing the conference market and I started getting booked to do keynote concerts, which I, I understood that the reason why people were booking me is because it was something different and unique, right? It was like an edutainment value. Mm. So I was like teaching something through my stories and message, but then there was an entertainment piece, which was the live music and getting people up and dancing and having that whole inspiring dynamic for the conference. So that's the value for them. And it's something different. And the event attendees are like, Oh, I've never seen this before. And like, thank God, not another, another boring speaker, you know, like this was so fun. So amazing. So that's what helped me to stand out. And 
I started getting booked at all these conferences and these seminars. And it was just, it was breathtaking. It was magical for me because I've never been valued like that as a music artist. And I've never been paid like that. I've never, uh, and I never had exposure like that in front of these really, really big audiences. So it's like, I was going for my, my small coffee shop gigs and like this story I told you of being in front of two people to now being in front of hundreds and sometimes thousands of people, like up to 15,000 people and having that experience. And every time just being like, I just had to show up, like just me and my guitar, I didn't have to do anything else. It's like unbelievable. So what I started to experience firsthand is uh, that they did have big conf conference budgets to pay me. And because I was getting booked more and more, I eventually was making more money doing this than I was at my day job at the university. And so in time, I left my, my job at the university to do this full time. And just, you know, like the first month after leaving my university job, you know, that's when I got that gig in front of 15,000 people. That was a corporate gig. And I made almost 20,000, you know, in that one month as an independent artist. And I could see the trajectory of where this could go. And I could see how empowering it was for me because it was like, I wasn't signed. I didn't have any, it was just me. Like I didn't have any representation. I didn't have any of that stuff. And it was, uh, it just combined everything that I love, like telling my stories about my songs and my original music. And, and I can tell you, like, it's been years now and I only do my original songs. Now, this doesn't mean that you, you can't do covers in this world, because you can, you know, it's, but because I'm a singer-songwriter, like I, that's what inspires me. So I just do my original songs. And, uh, and I love, I, I love that the audience are so engaged. Like they listen to every lyric. And I feel like I'm really, I feel like I, I'm a rock star in that world, not from a, like an ego place, but from a place of like, really being cherished and valued and how I'm treated. Like I'm not treated like typical music artists are in the traditional music industry world, which is so much about like just disrespect and having to chase down people to get paid. And like, we know all of that, right? Uh, so for me, it was just like, wow, I got to see of like, this is what it looks like. And this is what it feels like to like be so valued and celebrated for the power of my music. So that's the, uh, that's the much shorter version of the story. There's definitely some nuances, hopefully, that, that we can cover here to create more context. But when I discovered the, the conference world and doing keynote concerts, it was a total life changer for me, which is why I'm really happy that we're having this conversation. Dude, man, thank you for, for sharing that. That is super, super inspiring. And I mean, one thing that I'm kind of picking up on is that one of the, the extra benefits, I think, of getting really good and mastering the skill of doing these kinds of, of uh, keynote concerts is that you develop your public speaking ability just because in your storytelling ability, because, you know, you sharing that story, like it was very, very, it was very gripping. And it was, you know, I, I could tell that your experience was coming, coming through there. Yeah, that's, that's really awesome. So I know now that you've really, you've taken what you've learned and what you've built in terms of this market for providing this, this service for conferences and different types of events to give something unique to their audience and to breathe life into it. 
and you've taken that and you've created your own community where you're helping like musicians, you know, do these, these kinds of concerts. So, you know, one, one thing I'm curious about is when, so, like, let's say that someone comes to you like a musician and they're kind of in the same boat that you were in where they're just trying, they're struggling with their original music and they want to kind of dig into this world and learn more about it. You know, what are some of the biggest challenges that they first kind of come across uh, when they start considering this and what challenges are they facing when they first, when they first come to you? One of the challenges is that um, they're so immersed in what I call the music industry matrix that they don't see that there is this whole other possibility waiting for them. Mm. And most musicians, if not almost all, including me, have been really burned, have been taken advantage of, and they feel like this can't actually be real. So they enter the conversation with me with a lot of doubt and skepticism and negativity, unfortunately which I understand, like music artists are so passionate and they've just been crushed so many times. So it's like just having an open mind to this possibility and having an open heart around like this whole other world. Mm -hmm. uh, the other part of it is mindset, like the money mindset that musicians unfortunately have that we've actually created, like we have to be responsible for it because as long as musicians continue playing for free, there will be a dominant free model. Mm -hmm. So I get that musicians get upset like I used to about not getting paid to play. But if you're willing to play for free, this is how it's gonna be. And so uh, musicians that come to me have this scarcity mindset around getting paid for their music. Mm. Like you can get paid for other things, that's cool. Uh, but not music though. Oh, you can't get paid for that. Right. So. There is, uh, there's definitely this tension and this resistance around the idea of getting paid a lot for your music and asking for it and knowing how and standing by your fee and all of those things. So there's a lot of like money mindset that, that they, uh, they enter the conversation with that needs, this needs a lot of help. Mm. Uh, and then the other part of it is, is they get past those couple of things. And they're like, you know what, Tiama? No, I'm good. I'm really excited about this. I would love to thrive with my music. I'm so open-minded to it. Then it's great. So now we need to talk about the craft, right? Because like doing keynote concerts is not like your traditional music set. Uh, it's totally different. And so just their level of dedication and commitment to becoming good at that is something that's really important. And then I would say the, the other big one is, yeah, it's like musicians hear this possibility and they get excited about it, but at the same time, they want to keep going with their free gigs or, you know, they're getting paid a hundred dollars to play at the bar or, you know, 200 to pay at the hotel. And so it's like, they're trying to grow this business while continuing to play for free at the bar gig. And it's like, energetically, that doesn't work really well because you're telling your mind that like you're, you're trying, it's like split energy. Like you're trying to step into this one like prosperous world, but you're still stuck in this scarcity world. And for me, it's like when I realized the, the full spectrum and the potential for how successful I could be with keynote concerts, I had to completely let go of all of my 
coffee shop gigs, all of my bar gigs, all of that, to then put myself in fully into that world, right? So, you know, those are probably like three or four things, and there's definitely others, and, and a lot of influence in the music industry, and just years and years of just people celebrating the, the grind. And it's just like, you don't, the grind is way over glorified, okay? Like, you can keep doing the grind, um, but I would much rather just do it this way, you know? And just so musicians feel like this is, there's this whole other possibility in them, them like being really hungry for it, just like they're hungry for their own music. Mm, that's really, really good stuff. So Thank you. Um, to kind of to recap, it sounds like a few of the biggest challenges are one, that there's like a mindset, a mindset issue with a lot of musicians. And I mean, this has been here for a while, right? Like the starving artist mindset. And when it comes to actually making money with your music, with like a job, it's like, oh, it's, you know, it's, yeah, that makes sense. It's a job. It's made for, for money. But like your music, like, you know, for some reason, there's a, a big internal block to that. And there's kind of this like holding on to that, that scarcity. Where do you think, where do you think that comes from? <laughs> like, how do you, how do you let that go? I think it comes from the mother of self-sabotage, which is ego. Mm. And what I mean is this, it's like, it's so convenient for a music artist to say, well, people don't pay musicians anymore. So that means you don't have to work for it. And that means you can just keep doing it the same way and telling yourself, well, like all people do now is like stream live music for free. Nobody plays musicians. That's the current model. Deal with it. That's just how it is. Sorry, but that's self-sabotage because there's another reality that I've had, which is I sell more albums than I ever have, right? And we've talked about uh, some glimpses of what I get paid. But for me, it's like, yes, in some audiences, in some outlets, people don't pay you anymore. So what you need to do is you need to go find the people who do want to pay you because they're out there. Mm -hmm. So for me, it just feels like this self-sabotaging convenience to say well nobody pays for music anymore so i'm just going to keep doing it for free and at the same time resent the music industry and resent all the people who are not paying me and all that stuff and it's just like you have to get out of like this whole hurricane of thinking that everyone like feeds off of each other and musicians do that too like i've seen so many times where musicians bond with each other over how how broke they are and how much they're struggling. It's like, no, my, my story is sadder than yours. Let me tell you about it. It's like, you know, so how do we actually empower ourselves to find this, this new different reality? And we have to, and sometimes that means like for a period, I stopped hanging out with musicians. It's not a judgmental thing. It was just like, look, I need to surround myself with people who think differently. I need mentors who think differently. I need people who embrace prosperity and making a difference in the world as well all at the same time like i need to be around those people and what i was finding is that at least in my circle i don't want to generalize but in my circle the musicians weren't those people my like my bandmates weren't those people the in the past like my manager and my agent weren't those people and there are also other people coming into the picture who were like really negative people so I had to go find my positive people and I had to find my elevated people and my conscious people and my business mentors and like all of that stuff mm. to really create that change. So musicians oftentimes feel like they can do this themselves. Like, and there's so many musicians who are lone wolves, right? That's why 
there's an aspect in my community uh, that I call the wolf pack. Cause it's like, we, we all collaborate and support each other in growing our businesses, not just my business, but our businesses. Mm. And it's so important that musicians find communities like that, whether it's your community, whether it's my community, whatever it is, so that they don't feel like they're alone anymore. And they're working with like-minded, like-hearted musicians who want to make an impact in the world and who are tired of doing things the same way and want a new reality. Oh, what's up, guys? So quick intermission from the podcast so I can tell you about an awesome free gift that I have for you. I wanted to share something that's not normally available to the public. They normally reserve for our $5,000 clients that we work with personally. This is a presentation called Six Steps to Explode Your Fan Base and Make a Profit with Your Music Online. And specifically, we're going to walk through how to build a paid traffic and automated funnel that's going to allow you to grow your fan base online and the system's designed to get you to your first $5,000 a month with your music. We've invested over $130,000 in the past year to test out different traffic sources and different offers and really see what's working best right now for musicians. And so I think it's gonna be hugely valuable for you. And so if that's something you're interested in, in the description, there should be a little link that you can click on to go get that. And uh, the other thing I wanna mention is, you know, if you wanna do us a, a huge favor, one thing that really makes a big difference early on when you're creating a new podcast is if people click subscribe, then it basically lets the algorithm know that this is something that's new and noteworthy and that uh, people actually wanna hear. And so that'll help us reach a lot more people. So if you're getting value from this and you get value from the free trainings, then if you wanna do us a favor, I'd really appreciate you clicking the subscribe button. All right, let's get back to the podcast. That's, that's so important. One of my favorite quotes is that, I don't remember who, who said it, but that you're kind of like the summation of the five people that you spend the most of your time with. And so you need to be really careful with, you know, who your influences are and where you surround yourself with. So it sounds like what you're saying is that, you know, a huge shift for you happened when you intentionally got like really clear on who are the people that I want to surround myself with. And, you know, I think, unfortunately, it seems like there is sort of this energetic, um, you know, there's this energetic uh, scarcity that happens within the music industry. There's a reason that, you know, they have the whole starving artist mentality. And there's a reason that, like, what we're doing right now is happening because there's a need and because, you know, it's, it's coming up and it's being healed. But what that means is that either you find a group of people that are ready to kind of raise to the next level or already there who are musicians themselves or just like people in your environment who are already vibrating at that at that higher level and surround yourself with them and that's really one thing that helped you a lot tremendously mm -hmm. yeah and i had to find those people but when they came into my world it was like i realized the opportunity also to, to come from service and see how I could support them and, and everything else, not trying to take, but just so eager to, to learn from them. Mm -hmm. uh, and most of all, like just to learn their mindset, like how do they think? And, and for me, it was just like, it was so new for me because my background with getting paid a musician was just, I mean, now, like when I compare it for, for me to get paid $10,000 for a keynote concert gig is is a lot easier than when I first sold my initial CD for, for $10. <laughs> like I had a harder time selling that CD for $10 because mm. that's where I was. And I had a harder time asking for a hundred dollars for a gig or, um, you know, one little story around that is I, you know, back in my starving artist days, 
Um, I got booked for a wedding in Portland and it was $400. So I perform at the wedding and the bride and, and the wedding party. I don't know what was going on that night, but they're like, Tiamo, get in the, um, get in the shuttle with us and we're going to drive you to your hotel. But on the way, we'll stop by an ATM and I'll just, I'll pay you that. Hmm. So we stopped by the ATM and he's getting, he's like getting out and he's going to like give me $400 cash. And I said, no, man, like, it's cool. Don't, don't worry about it. You can just pay me later. Hmm. He's like, no, we stopped by the ATM so I can pay you now. I'm like, no, no, it's cool. You know, I know everyone's like, get going places. It's like, don't worry about it. You can just pay me later. Hmm. That's where I was, hmm. you know, and, uh, I followed up with him like two weeks later and I didn't hear back and I followed up like a month later, never heard back. I never got paid when he was willing to just like give me money right there. Like that's where I was. And that's where unfortunately a lot of musicians are because they feel like there's this, it's not noble to accept money. Mm -hmm. uh, but in this world, you, you definitely have to be okay with it. And so a lot of music, musicians are not, but, but then it's like, how do you cross over to that place where you can be, you know, like, just open your mind to like, can you be, can you feel like, cause what I've learned is that when people pay you, they pay attention. Mm. When people pay me, especially if they pay me a lot, everybody's paying attention that's and we true. just need to own it. Like, that's why we do music, right? Like, cause we do music to engage people, whether it's to entertain them, inspire them, like whatever it is. And so like, if people aren't paying you, they're not paying attention. It's no accident. It's like <clears throat> recently I was in Austin and I was walking down there, the main street there, was it Fifth Avenue? I don't know, something like that. And it was like every other bar, it was like musicians were background musicians. And if you're cool being a background musician, that's fine. Like, I don't want to take that away from anyone. But most artists I talk to don't want to be background musicians. So it's like, well, you're a background musician because you're playing for $50. If you're playing for $5,000, trust me, you're not going to be a background musician. Okay? Mm -hmm. Like... <laughs> So there's a big distinction there. Mm. That's a really, it's a really good point. I mean, it, it kind of reminds me of when I first started a uh, modern musician and you know, when I was just getting started, I was kind of in the mindset of like, I'm just getting started. I just want to do it for free. And God, it was so hard. No one, like it was so hard getting people to that, like as clients when I was offering it for free, it was so weird. And now that we charge, you know, on the high end of the market, when we work with someone, it's like, you're right. Like they pay, they pay attention and they actually implement and they get results. And you know, the same thing, you know, with, with your music, if you're playing a free, free show, people haven't invested, like they, there's, it, it makes sense that there's that, that connection there. And you know, one other thing that I wanted to, to dig into a little bit is this idea of being so uncomfortable making, making money. And do you think that that's coming out of like a sense of like self-worth, like, like not feeling like they're not, like they don't deserve it. Is that like part of it or, or how do you like help people get to that point where they feel like they do deserve it? Yeah. Well, I feel like it comes from just centuries, like generations of a, of a starving artist mentality that just weighs people down. And I think people have just accepted it, but that could be said for a lot of industries. So what we do to help people with that is number one, show them how I've done it. Show them that there is, there is this whole other reality you may not know about. And I talk very openly about it so that they see that, okay, there's, there's hope. And then I train them 
on how to do it so that they can experience it themselves. Because it's one thing to hear about me doing it. And it's another thing for you to go out and do it and then get that first client that pays you a lot for your gift and just be like, Tiamo, oh my God, like this whole time I wasn't sure, but then I went all in and I cannot believe, like that's one of my favorite things in the world is when my students get their first high paying gig and they're just like, they can't believe it. I mean, they're just like totally blown away. And they, and then like the next conversation is, so you did this once, that means we could keep doing this, <laughs> right? And the great thing is you're going to keep getting better at it and you're going to be raising your fees and you're going to be like all, you know, all of these things where then they experience it firsthand and it's so exhilarating that that is motivation enough to say like, I want to experience that again. And it's so fun for me to watch, which is why I do this. Like I'm not, I'm not doing this just for, for me to get my name out there in this world. It's like, I'm doing this because I believe in the power of music and I want more musicians to be able to deliver their music. And I want more musicians to change more lives. I want more musicians to save more lives. And if more musicians are doing this, it just, it motivates me so much to have these conversations, to teach from stage, to do webinars, to do retreats, to do events, like all of that stuff so that Musicians will see that this is real and they will hopefully be motivated to try it. And then once they try it and they get a new result, then it's like their pursuit after that is just really, really inspiring because they've, they've got a taste. Dude, thank you. Thank you for sharing this and sharing this so, so openly. Cause I think, I think you're right. Like for a lot of people, I mean, always the first step is always awareness and just being like, Oh, yeah. this is, this is a possibility. Like this is something that could happen. And then, you know, actually experiencing it firsthand for themselves, it becomes more, more real. So for you, I'm sure you probably get have gotten this before with some people who say, you know, if, if you're, um, if you have this career and you know, you're doing it, um, yourself, then why would you share it with other people? Right? Like, wouldn't that kind of dig into your, dig into your business? So how do you respond to people usually if, if that's kind of where they're coming from? I love that question. Uh, and I know that the people who are coming from that place are coming from a good place and they're curious, but like, for me, it's a scarcity place. And the question I get asked a lot is why would you create your own competition? I believe in abundance, dude. So I believe that the more that I share this knowledge and the more successful artists there are and the more people there are being touched and inspired because of those artists, because we had that initial conversation, means there's going to be a greater opportunity for me. I don't know where it's going to come from, but I'm not worried about it. I'm not tracking it. And for me, it's, it's really like this global thinking of just like really believing in the power of music. So I'm not trying to keep this to myself. I know that some musicians, like they find a good gig and they're just like, oh, they don't want other people to know about it because they don't want to lose a good gig. <laughs> I've found a great gig and I want as many musicians to know about it as possible. And I don't feel threatened by it. Maybe some of that is my own confidence. Like, I don't feel like because more musicians are going to be doing this now, I'm going to be struggling. I let go of that struggling mentality a long time ago. So I'm not like attached to this. I'm not worried to it. I'm inspired by it. Like I want my students to have tremendous success. And you know what, even more than that, I want my students to be more successful than me. Like that would light me up. So yeah, I don't worry about, about that. Uh, and I don't worry about it because 
practically speaking, there's just so many gigs anyway. Like mathematically, I'm not going to run out of gigs because there's so many of them. As far as the conference world, there are just, there are thousands. Okay. Like they're not dozens of conferences. They're not even hundreds of conferences. There are thousands of conference gigs where you could be doing keynote concerts. So because I know that there is thousands of gigs, I'm not worried about it either. And I know that they're going to, they're not going to run out of money. Right? They're, they're, they're just not like all of these, their average conference budget is $1.7 million wow. per conference. So to pay me something like $10,000 for a keynote concert is less than 1% of their budget. Like they're not even going to feel that. They're normally like spending that much for like other speakers too, right? Ones that might be a lot more boring and not have as much to offer as, as you. I know. <laughs> Which is, which is why when they find me, they're like, oh, this is so exciting because like they typically book the same type of speaker that has like a really long, boring PowerPoint. They stand in front of a podium and everyone's trying to not fall asleep. So it's like, I come in, I don't do, I don't like, I don't even have a PowerPoint. I'm like, ditch the podium, get that out of here. And I'm just like, it's just me and I'm telling stories. And I got the guitar and I'm, I'm singing my songs. And that's it. There's no, like, there's nothing beyond that. And, and something that I learned as far as the craft of this is that the better I got at telling my stories, the more I got booked and the more I got paid. So you will get paid thousands of dollars to simply tell your stories about the songs. So when I, when I reflect on my coffee shop days, you know, people love the music. But a lot of times the feedback I got from my fans was that their favorite part of my shows were the stories about the songs. People love knowing about your humanity. They love getting an inside look of like your vulnerability, the things that you had to overcome, your adversity. Now all these things, like that's where people really connect with you. And so I, under I started to understand the power of that. And I started to put a lot of dedication, time and effort into becoming a better storyteller. Not one that just like, you know, my stories don't connect and they're just, I keep rambling. That's how I used to do. Like when I was a singer songwriter, I tell my story, I go on and on. Uh, but I, when I realized there is a structure and there's an art form to telling stories like, you know, like songwriting is an art form, like performing is an art form. And, uh, and so as I made that a concentration and I specialized in it and I just immersed myself in storytelling uh, and then trying it out on stage. So I became better at telling stories and then just singing my songs. So usually when I do a keynote concert, I tell three stories and I sing three songs. And like, that's it. No PowerPoint, no podium, none of that stuff. And people love it because they've, they haven't seen it. And then, you know, edutainment is a huge deal, especially like in schools, you know, if we're talking about the high school market, if we're talking about the college market. The corporate market is like, oh my God, we're bored out of our minds, right? Like someone please give us something like really dynamic and exciting and innovative. So you talk to them about keynote concerts, you combine live music with speaking and it's in their eyes, it's revolutionary. And then the audience is like, thank God, like you gave us something that was just like really memorable. And I've had so many times where I do conferences and they just like, they're up there and they're teaching. It's just like, ah, oh, da, 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 da. And then I do my thing and people are like, that was the highlight of the conference. Like that, that was so memorable. Mm 
because of the emotions that it evokes, right? The emotions that stories evokes, the emotions that music evokes layer on top of it. And the singing and the guitar, and by the way, like that's my format, right? I'm a singer songwriter, so it's just me and my guitar. I don't do the whole band. I don't have like, it's just me and my guitar. And they love the acoustic thing and all of that. It could be a whole band if you want it to be. It could be that you don't play guitar. Maybe you do piano. Maybe you're an instrumentalist. You don't have to sing like I do. Maybe you're a vocalist and you don't play an instrument. Then great, sing a cappella. Like whatever you do, do it in your way. You know, stand in front of a microphone and just move people with your voice. Or, you know, someone I know who, who does this in this world, um, she's, she plays the violin. She tells stories, she talks, she plays the violin, and that's it. Like, people are blown away from the beauty of her violin. There's another colleague of mine that does this that gets paid more than I do in this world. So she's on stage, and she talks, she tells stories, and she paints. So she paints as she's speaking. And then at the, when she's done with the keynote, she's got this completed painting that then she gives as a gift to, to the company. And they put it, they usually put it in their lobby or, or something like that. It's like, it's creative. Like creative is the next generation in this world. You know, like corporations, associations, colleges, high schools, conventions, seminars, like there's thousands of them. So anyone who's like listening to this and you feel like you want something different and you want audiences to be engaged, you want them to not only pay attention to your lyrics, but celebrate them, love them and your stories and all of that. Like, that's what this is about. And nothing, it's not fancy. You know, it's just like, it's almost like an album you listen to that's like overproduced, you know, and like people really love just the, like the, the, the unplugged album or the live album, or whatever. It's, uh, I've just learned more and more over time. It's about simplifying. It's about sharing my heart. It's about being transparent on stage. And, and people, like, they just, they so love the stories about the songs. You know, they feel like, they feel really special. And they view you as rock stars. Mm. They view you as a rock, like a keynote concert rock star. Mm. Right, so for me, it was like, I, I just eventually, when I let go of like, oh, I gotta be famous and I gotta like tour the world and like, I gotta have thousands of fans and all of that. It's like, look, if this happens on its own for some of you, then great. Awesome. I'm so happy for you. In the meantime, what are you going to do? Right? Like, for me, this is about having a very sustainable career where, you know, our age doesn't matter. If, if we're talking about the music industry, I'm like really old at this point. Um, but if we're talking about this world, who cares? Can you get on stage and inspire people? That's all we care about. Mm. Right? So it's not relevant to age. The way they treat you is we've already talked about how they pay you, but you know, I, I usually am backstage in like a VIP lounge area and they're, and they're bringing me like lunch and they're covering all my costs and they're treating me like a rock star. Uh, meaning, you know, they're just treating me with a lot of respect and love and appreciation and gratitude. And so as an artist, you know, I really appreciate that. So yeah, uh, artists who are listening to this and you're at least at the very least, you're still listening to this and you're at least like you've, you're feeling called because you know you're meant for more. I know you're meant for more. I remember what it felt like to be like, God, I was like born to do this. I'm like, this is my destiny. Why is it so hard? You know, it's like, why is it going to be so hard to live my destiny? I'm telling you, like the reason why you are listening to this right now is because your destiny 
led you to it. And I, I hope there is a lot of people in this audience that are at least going to explore this possibility because it's just, it's so, it's just so magical and so inspiring. Dude, again, thank you so much for, for sharing this. And I can like clearly tell, you know, when you're talking with someone that, <clears throat> that literally like every time you open your mouth, like another gold gem comes out about, you know, this is the specific field. And when you talked about how you kind of got into this world with, uh, with business and entrepreneurship, it sounds like what this was is you discovering a big need, right? Like a big, a big place you could contribute value. And, you know, that's something that a lot of musicians can do. And now you're also, you found another big need for musicians who, you know, need to be able to generate income, need to be appreciated and be able to get their music out there. And that's what you're doing for them. So I appreciate you sharing your story. And I know that you have a lot of resources that are available to kind of help musicians take this step and get into this world of booking these types of keynote concerts. So can you tell me a little bit more about like if someone is listening to this and they're like, this sounds really interesting and I do feel a calling and I do want to explore what this world is all about, what would you recommend for them to get started? Yeah, thank you for that. And there's something that, uh, as you were talking, came to mind that I, I want to share with everyone before we wrap things up that's really important if they want to do keynote concerts. Uh, and if you don't do this, then it's not going to happen for you. So it's like, I, I, I can't leave you without telling, <laughs> telling you exactly what that is because it's, it's such an important distinction. And before I tell you what that is, thank you as far as the, you know, the resources. Yes, I have, I have a lot. I think the best resource for musicians is just how to get started with this, right? As far as like, instead of like very advanced or accelerated resources, let's just start with something very easy and free. So I have a blueprint for you, which is a PDF. It's called Secret High Paying Gigs. And if you are really called to do keynote concerts, it gives you an overview of that and what it looks like in more detail and it's comprehensive, and it shows you how to get started with keynote concerts, uh, doing the whole conference market. And then I have also some other things that I teach around uh, custom songs. Now, that's initially where I got a lot of my uh, first high-end clients as well, and private VIP concerts, which is like an add-on experience. It's like an upgrade, so companies or schools, organizations who hire you for keynote concerts that same day, like, after you do the keynote concert that, that evening, then sometimes I do like a private VIP concert where I get paid separately for that, but it's for a smaller, more exclusive and intimate group. So then it's like basically two gigs in one day. And then also monetizing your fan base because yeah, now when I perform at conferences, I can get more fans from one gig than it used to take a year of gigs for me to get. So I'm already in front, like my average audience size is 500 people. Sometimes it's less, sometimes it's a few thousand, but yeah, it's a, it's a great average size. So every time I'm in front of those audiences, I have a system that I follow for, on average, half of those people will join my fan list. Yeah, so if it's an audience of 2,000 people, that's, that's a big jump in your fan list, right? It's like the amount of work it used to take me before to get 1,000 fans, like, oh my God, I can't, I can't even express it. <laughs> So, you know, as far as growing your uh, fan base in a very organic, instantaneous way is, is amazing. So um, I also introduce people to that. 
So I really like the arc of it is the keynote concerts, uh, the custom songs, which maybe we'll talk about another time, but also private VIP concerts. And then when you get all these fans, how do you actually monetize your fan base uh, through monthly membership? So it's an overview of those things and how to get started. Again, it's called Secret High Paying Gigs. And, uh, you know, it's a PDF. And then along with that is, is when you uh, sign up to get the PDF um, which you'll be sharing the link with them. Then you'll also get a free bonus masterclass where I go into even more detail about how to do all of this. So you get the you get the PDF blueprint, you get the masterclass for free as well. And uh, that's my hope that with these two resources um, that anyone listening to this will take those first steps to get started in this world so that you can really start growing your music business in ways that uh, I believe like are the most empowering. Amazing. So, so it sounds like uh, to get started, there's a, a PDF that has like five of the best strategies that you teach for free. So we'll put that link in the description. Yeah, man, I just, I just want to say again, thank you so much. Uh, this has been super valuable. Um, yeah, and I know you said that you actually have another, you have another lesson that, 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 like a really important thing. So we'll let you get to that. But I do, there's this analogy that came to my mind as, as you've been speaking. That's like, I feel like uh, right now it's kind of like we're like digging for gold. And there's been a few, a uh, few topics that we brought up that have just been like, ding, 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 gold. And it's like, we're digging it out. And I'm like, yeah. oh, dude, there's so much gold under the stairs. I want to keep digging. So that's awesome that you have, you know, these resources available to kind of, to allow people to dig a little deeper and keep, you know, getting, getting more gold. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's my hope is that I can leave gems and people can take them and get started with it. And then I love to hear stories of musicians going out and doing this and like celebrating that. I just so love it. And I, I want this to be like a new genre. I think that'd be amazing. Like when people talk about how musicians now are making money with their music, I would love for this to be, mainstream you know so because that means more music artists are getting celebrated for their music it means there's more fans it means there's more people that are getting touched moved and inspired by their music i mean the ripple effect is is really beautiful so that's what i want mm. uh and again there is this ocean of opportunity there are 5200 conferences per day not per week not per month 5200 per day right we talked about their average conference budget We've talked a little bit about what a keynote concert looks like. And the distinction that I want to share that I said was really important is if you want to do keynote concerts, which my question is, why in the world would you not after listening to this? But if you, if you want to do keynote concerts, number one, I commend you for being open to it. Number two, what you really need to know that's super important is that if you approach companies, schools, or organizations, to get booked for keynote concerts. Do not say that you're a musician. Now I know that your musician ego may not like this, <laughs> but if you can change one word around, it will completely change how you get paid. So instead of calling yourself a musician, just say that you're a speaker because motivational speakers, keynote speakers naturally demand a very high fee. Right, so when we think of like the lineage of generations of like the starving artists, we think free. So we think, oh, they'll play for free for good exposure. <clears throat> or they'll play for very little for good exposure. But when we think the context of 
keynote speakers, we think thousands, right? Like it would be embarrassing to actually say to a speaker, oh yeah, like I'll just have you do a keynote at our conference for free. Would, would you be good with that? Like you wouldn't even entertain that idea, right? Because it's just known, it's just common that speakers get paid thousands of dollars. So here's what I want you to do is do your best to let go of your musician ego. Now I'm not saying you're, you're changing anything. You're not giving up your music. You're not like you're none of that. You're still doing that, right? Like when I do my set, I still view myself as a singer songwriter. That's what I'm doing. I'm telling my stories. I'm singing my songs, but I approach them and I say, I'm a speaker. That one word change will go from, you know, if you're a musician, maybe you get paid $250, maybe, maybe $500. Okay. But like, uh, for a big company, but you'll go from that to then thousands of dollars because you've, you've said that you are a speaker and really what you are is you're a hybrid speaker musician. Okay. So, uh, that's something that I really wanted everyone to know. And that's how you approach them. And there's, of course, there's other details of the conversation and how you ask for your fee. Uh, and I have some funny stories about that, but like how you ask for your fee and other things, which, you know, that's just more in my resources and my trainings. But for now, like if you want to get started, uh, I want you to make that one little tweak. Boom. Gold nugget. Mic drop <laughs> on the ground, right? What are we in? Awesome. That's great. Great tip. So basically, you know, that one small shift in, uh, in the words that you use to so just presenting it as a speaker can make a huge difference in terms of the, the price that, that you can offer it for. Cool. Like a world of difference. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, hey, Tiamo, dude, thank you again for taking the time to be here. This is, I mean, personally for me, like I'm listening to this, I'm like, this is awesome. Like I want to go, I'll do some keynote speakers. Yeah. I a little bit of, of speaking for like in uh, business, business conferences. And, you know, I brought my keyboard on stage one of the times and it was exactly like you're saying, people are like, whoa, like, you know, this is so different. Like it's, <laughs> and then you come, come off the stage and it was just like playing shows where like people, you know, you, you come off stage and, and you just, they look at you differently and they treat you with respect. And like, like you're saying, like you are a, a rock star and it feels really good to be appreciated like that. So, so I appreciate you for, you know, for sharing this uh, with our audience. And I would highly encourage that uh, everyone goes and checks out the, the link that we put below this to, to learn more. Thank you so much. I love being on. Uh, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for your great questions and hopefully it inspires a lot more people. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guest today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then I'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take their music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.